Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the show from the, the lovely and spacious Toxin Tasting Studio. This is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bull Hagen. And I'm Berg. And Vicar's here. Say hi, Vicar. Greetings. And we have someone else special today. We have our producer is here in person. Say hi, Peter. Hi, I'm here again, just like always. Yes. So it probably sounds the same to all of you. So, uh, but it's so much better to see you face to face, Peter. Means a lot. It uh, it really adds to the ambiance of the room. <laughs> so, uh, so one thing, uh, it's uh, it's a good fun time of the year. It's football season now, right? It is. I noticed our downloads go down now on Sundays, and then they go up on Mondays. For shame. For shame, listeners. So, uh, so you have to have priorities. Right. Right. And because football is only for a few seasons, but clerical errors is forever. Forever. In fact, uh, how many how many uh, weeks have we gone where we've taken a show a week off with no show? Zero. Zero. Zero, listeners. We have no off. Through summer, I might add. Through Holy Week, right? We've been pretty rad about yeah. this. So, so uh, it's pure dedication, I would say. No doubt. So now, with it being football season, what goes hand in hand with football season? Beer. Okay. Tailgating. Okay. Particularly though, what kind? Cheerleading. Of beer? What kind of beer? Um, dark beer. Oktoberfest. Something black and oily, just like my soul. Um, that's not where I was going. I was okay. going the opposite. Oh, okay. I Never mean, mind then. Football season is is macro brew. <laughs> yeah, for the plebs, man. For yeah, the plebs. So, so this is what I'm doing. I mean, I don't slum. Okay, well, you may not like unless it's show. unless it's free. Okay. <laughs> so I thought because you know uh, people wonder, well, if I'm going to buy a, a case of beer for having friends over and watching football, they're wondering, well, what kind of of macro brew should I buy? The answer is none of the above. Well, <laughs> all right. Hey, that, this, that, is a, this that, is a look behind the collar. And, you know, this is a significant difference between us. That concludes our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was going to say is I've got uh, four different uh, macro brews with us. Today. Ooh, are we going to taste test again? Yes. Is this going to be like the water? Kind of like the water. Nice. Do you want to be blind or do you want to show them off? Well, no, no, it's going to be blind. And and so of course you're going gonna to try one. Uh, Peter, you want to be the, the, the beer sommelier yeah. today? Hey, Vicar, we got clear cups so that not only can you judge a yeah. taste, you can Here, I can I can move this way, and then you can just sit behind him, and I won't be able to see. So, so what, what I thought maybe is maybe if we can kind of c- come to a consensus on which is the best one. Which is the most so, awesomely bad. So, so that when people go, okay... You know, what kind of, of these macro brews would the Clerical Heirs podcast approve of? You're going to make me do this, too. Yes. I mean, I, I I bear my crosses, but I mean, oh, Lord, how long? <laughs> you know what? That's one thing that seminary does to people is it makes them such beer snobs. <laughs> it is true. The The beer there is pretty good. Right. So. I just feel bad for this sem- the seminary student who says, oh, I, I like, uh, I like uh, Keystone, you know? I don't. <laughs> they they are like the horse or the mule without understanding, who must be curbed with bitter bridle. So uh, as a, what we'll do is we'll intersperse our sermon talk with the tasting. Okay. Okay. So uh, what you preaching on there, Berg? Well, this next week we have uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan coming up. And Vicar, where is the uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan? It's in Luke. Yeah. Do you know the chapter? <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, well, at least he's honest. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's good. You know, the uh, old vicar would have faked it. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Uh, so that is the text for this coming uh, Sunday. So, so listener, take a moment. Is it seven? No, it's not. What? Is it really? Uh, clerical ears. What is going on here? <laughs> I think I, well, what Sunday is this? Is this a weekday? Today is Monday, which Today. is part of the problem. Okay, <laughs> because... let's see here. The 9th. Oh, okay, I skipped ahead a week. 
The 15th. Okay. Yes, it is from uh, Luke uh, chapter 10, 10. Yes. verses 21 through 37. So all we my li- we- all, all the listeners, I apologize. Mea culpa. Um, you know, Seslavai, as they say. So, all right, let's try this. All right, the first, this is a... Uh, so, listener, to think about that lovely parable for a moment, and then uh, let's do this taste, okay? <laughs> it's got a little bit of an a- little bit of an aftertaste. A little bit. Not a very hoppy beer. No, it's... Uh, Tastes like wedding beer. It's... It's good alcoholic water. Okay. I mean, good to keep you hydrated during right. those during those wonderful uh, cookouts. You All know, right. We'll tailgating. F- finish his taste up, and we'll uh, he'll get the next one ready here. Should I keep pouring that much? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, we got to show it to Peter. Yep. <laughs> well, it might get it might get pretty interesting. So, what's interesting about this too is that um, in verses twenty one through twenty four. Jesus actually rejoices in the Father's will, and he thanks God uh, for hiding these the mysteries of the kingdom from those who are wise and prudent, and that he has given these things to babes, right, to infants. Right. Right, which is really cool because there we can talk about um, that little children can believe and do believe, and oftentimes it is the weak things in this world uh, that receive the mysteries of the kingdom as opposed to the strong and the mighty and the prudent and the like. So, try not to burp. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these uh, micro mac- macro brewers are a little uh, carbonated, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Oh, so, uh, so, you, we ready for the next one here, Pete? I got the next one ready. All right, all right. This is taste test number two. Prost. Let me smell it. This one has more of a smell on it. More. More of an apple smell? Uh, <laughs> definitely a stronger one. Definitely. Huh. This is this is actually one of my go-tos in seminary. I can tell. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not getting too much taste, but... It has more taste than the last one, don't you think? Vicar, what do you think? I'm thinking this one is a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went from the blonde, I think that first one... It's pretty weak to uh well it's got more of a like an amber know, orange tint to it. Yeah. I'm I'm liking this presentation right now. So Okay. It's doing its thing for me. It's definitely better than the last one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you were saying about the parable. <clears throat> well, it's interesting too because Jesus actually points us to uh what the object of the Old Testament's uh, Old Testament saints' faith was, right? That mm-hmm. many of them looked forward to seeing Christ and to hearing his words, but they never did, which um, is really important in when you read the Old Testament, that the Jews are not saved in a different way than we are. The Old Testament people uh, actually believed in the coming Christ, which is why uh, one translation of the Bible that I really hate actually happens in Genesis chapter 4, mm-hmm. where it says... Uh, that Eve gave birth to Cain, and it says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, but that's not actually what the text says. The text in the Hebrew says, I've gotten a man, the Lord. Right. right? She actually thought that he was the Messiah. Um, same thing with um, Noah, right, when Lamech names Noah, mm-hmm. um, and the like. So well, I'm, I'm uh, confused on what this has to do with a good Samaritan. Well, this is part of the text, actually. Okay. So... Widen your reading a little bit. Okay. So, so, well, there are a lot of verses here. So yeah. So the the parable starts off with a rich man, well, and, a lawyer trying see, to justify himself, right? And the part before that actually shows like, oh, God gives these things to little children. Now here's a guy who thinks he's something, right? right? He's trying to justify himself. He's a lawyer, right? A lawman, uh, someone who is well-versed in the Old Testament. And, you know, that's who the parable is told to. Here's a guy who thinks he's something, that he has something to offer God, mm-hmm. his good works, and he doesn't. And that's what the parable is actually given for. And, and he's asking the question, what must I do to inherit uh, the kingdom of heaven, inherit eternal life? 
And uh, that's when our, all our ears as Lutherans go up, right? Right. Say, well, it's not about what you do. Well, it's kind of a stupid question anyway, because what do you do to inherit? Right. And I mean, don't... honestly, isn't that the stupidest question you've ever heard, right? right? It's like, hey, mom and dad, what do I have to do to inherit your stuff? And, and then the answer is, love love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is true, but that is yep. a, the God's law. But I want you to think about the motivation to love there then. Mm-hmm. The motivation to love in this parable is is, uh, well, you love someone so that you get eternal life. So what's the motivation of loving? Selfishness. Right. According to the question. And I think that's a big thing, too. Uh, one of your favorite presidents, I think it was Jimmy Carter. Oh, yes. Right? Uh, he was a Sunday do, school do like teacher for uh, 55 years, right? And he said that the gospel was love God and love your neighbor. <laughs> Epic fail, right? Because what is love God, love your neighbor? That's the law. It's the law, right? When you say... Love your neighbor. And if you even say it really nicely, guess what? It's still the law, right? Mm-hmm. It's God's law. And he's actually commanding you to love your neighbor. And in this parable, he shows you how incredibly hard it is. So, so is he, are you, you ready for the next one? Getting there. All right. So, I mean, I figure we can just go with this parable all day long. So, you know. Yeah. So uh, this uh, number three ready then? All right. So far, I have mine ranked uh, two, then one. Yep. Is it? I would say so. And then this is three. Should add a palate cleanser before each one. <laughs> kind of like the first. It's it's creamier. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like... Two, three, one. Two, then three, then one. Yeah. I'm with you. So far. Interesting. I'm with you. So so as we get back to the parable here, this is very ADD friendly. I'm liking how we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> this Peter, you know let's what? make a habit of this. <laughs> this is no different than teaching confirmation if you think no, about jeepers. it. jeepers. <laughs> right? Okay, back on topic, kids. Oh. All right. So, so Jesus, in in uh, in answering this man's question, is answering the question, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" Right. And then the question is that Jesus answers, "Then, well, then, who is your neighbor?" And he's going to show him what he must do. Right. And not just do, but also feel. Okay. Because the law isn't just what you do outwardly, but it's also the condition of the heart. You actually have to have the right feelings. That's what the law demands. Right. Right? Um, so it's not, it's a whole person thing. Body, soul, emotions. That is what the law demands of you. And, and it's interesting, too, in the fact that whenever you try by the law to uh, make an edict on how people are supposed to feel historically, it doesn't go very well, does it? No. I mean, you just have to look at a little kid for that, right? Whenever you tell them no... What happens? They get mad. Yeah, they get mad, right? They hate it. They don't want to do it. They get mad at you, right? And that's exactly what God's law does. God's law actually makes us the opposite of what the law demands, right? Rather than loving God, we actually hate him because we don't want, you know, we don't want to be told what to it, do. It's kind of like uh it's kind of like when uh, your mother when you were younger told you as a child to tell your brother that you're sorry. How did you say it? You say sorry as you're punching him in the face. Right. Or you say, I'm sorry. Right. So what are you saying? Well, you're trying to do the law, but where is your heart? Far from it. Far from it. Right. Because that's the thing. Love isn't just an action, even though it, you know, um, actions flow from love, right? Mm -hmm. Because people are, you know, they have all these cutesy sayings like, well, you know, love is, love isn't a noun. Love is a verb. Love is what you do. Blah, 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 blah. No, it's actually an affection of the heart, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually how you feel toward somebody, okay? Well, they're, they're, I think I think it's a balance between both. Well, but that's the thing is love actually does, it, it is an affection and love has fruits, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we call them works of love. Right. Showing but, but them it's, where it comes but it's from. An, it's, an, it's an affection 
for the sake of another person, not an affection for your own sake. Right. The love is always directed outward. Right. As opposed to inward. And we'll see that in the Good Samaritan. But continue. So as it continues, and Jesus is answering all these questions, and he, he continues with, well, who is your neighbor? And so that's when he begins begins the parable. And so he begins by saying, a man, and it says, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man went was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So uh, the answer then will be, who is a neighbor to this man? Now, how do, you know, when we think of this parable, I remember there was a, uh, you know, growing up, there was a, a rescue helicopter. And it was a helicopter with a hospital, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the, they named the helicopter the Good Samaritan. Okay. Because, I guess, because while everyone passes by, this someone in need, the helicopter, then goes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, this is taken to mean that uh, that, that is, in a sense, strictly law in the sense of this is how you should be a neighbor. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, as we look ahead to the parable, we know who actually the good neighbor is. Yeah. We do, right? But, but we'll get to that. We don't want to spoil. You don't want to spoil anything. All right. So, so it's time for... For number four. I'm feeling a little ADD, so let's, you know. <laughs> it's a Monday, man. All right. So this is number four. So for... Oh, right here? Okay. So I think we're actually in a consensus. It's two, three, then one. one. It tastes a lot like the last one to me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'll taste the same at this point. Yeah. Vicar's <laughs> mm. <laughs> just shaking it. Peter, we haven't asked you what you think. Peter, what do you think? I'm I'm gonna have to pretty much disagree. I think two, but then I think I like one. So you go three. two, two, one, one three. three. But we're we're so far we're in consensus consensus that number two is the best. I think so. So now with four, what are we going to be saying? I think four and three are tied to me. They're about the same. Two, four, three, one. Okay. that's. But would you agree that four and three are pretty close? Yeah. At this point, I don't know what I'm tasting. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't even know anymore, man. What am I, a bad neighbor to you now? <laughs> Well, you did buy macro beer, so. <laughs> so, so should we should we uh, do the reveal? So, which one? Uh, which one do you? Which think one was, was the neighbor? Well, well, why don't you guess which one? Number two. That was the one that you thought was out of all of them was the best. Which one do you think that was? Keystone Light. Should we go in order? Should we go like the the? Should we do one, two, three, let's four? should we go backwards? Let's go backwards. Reveal. Okay. So, so Peter, what was our fourth choice? All right, all right. Our fourth choice. Our fourth choice was no. The, the fourth choice in our ranking system. Oh, our ranking system. What do we think was the worst? We thought number one was the worst. Yeah, number one was the worst. So, I'm sorry, Iowans. Bush Light was voted oh, no. the worst. Ha! Huh. We do have better taste. <laughs> Not surprising. And then what? Number three was a. What was the next worst? Yeah, number three. Yeah, number let's three? go with number three. Number three was Miller Lite. Okay. All right. Then we say number four, right? Because we said number yep. two is the best. Yep. yep. Number four was regular old Budweiser. Wow, that that's a little higher than I thought, but okay. And, well, let's, let's it is the cham- It is the champagne of beers. Now I know. I know what the what the top beer was. Can you have it's me any guess? Keystone. No. No. It's Vic, not Keystone. Vicar, do you have a guess? What our, what our top macro brew is? Oh, is it Yingling? No. Uh, what is it? No. Very ethnic, though. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> the beer that we have chosen as number one is Milwaukee's <laughs> best ice. Of course, ice. Yes. of course, it is because you know the beast. <laughs> it is the best. So, <laughs> listener, we've done you a service. And I believe we actually 
So Milwaukee's best. If you want to uh, support clerical errors, uh, we will do like free advertising for you. You know, you're welcome. It's already been done. We've already lost our listeners by rating Bush as the worst. <laughs> Not the ones in Bahrain, though. That's right. Which, by the way, we want to dedicate our uh, our episode to all our listeners in Bahrain. We just checked our stats. We actually have several downloads from the country of Bahrain. So, Patrick Flynn, who's a chaplain there, kudos to you. Hopefully you keep listening. If not... No, we, we only know is that we have some downloads from Bahrain, <laughs> and you're just assuming that it's him. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we are that awesome, so. Um, we have more downloads from Bahrain this week than we do from Oklahoma, so Oklahoma, come on, man. <laughs> well, we need to uh, we need to work harder. And But we've done you a service now. Now when you are, you think, oh, you know, I don't know what kind of beer to got, to get. Which one do you think was the least expensive of these, obviously? The Milwaukee's best. Was it really? Oh, yeah, by far. Nice. It's by far the cheapest beer. Even though it says premium on the can. Well, it says best and premium. It? So, Well, it man. used to. They've taken the premium off. It's 5.9%. Okay. Well. <laughs> so. Anyway, back to the parable. <laughs> All right, your turn. What, what do you want to say about this? Well, let's look at the two guys that uh, um, are uh, supposed to be neighbors but aren't. We see that Jesus tells uh, the parable about the guy uh, who's half dead on the side of the road. And a priest goes walking down the road, and he sees this guy in need, but he probably thinks he's dead, so he passes by on the other side. Okay, He did this because of the ritual uncleanness. Stuff, right, right. He because thought he he thought he was by passing on the other side of the road, keeping the keeping the law, keeping the law, right. And then we see a Levite, right. A Levite was of the tribe of Levi, right, from where the priests were descended, and he was supposed to be a teacher of the law, right. So once again, another very religious figure, and he sees the guy, and it he comes to the place, sees him, and he passes by on the other side. Okay. Not a good deal, right? These are the religious elites of Jesus' day, the people that should be the neighbor but aren't, okay? But then we see a Samaritan, and a Samaritan is a half-breed, okay? He's a mixture of the people who are left in the land in northern Israel and the people that the Assyrians brought in after the the destruction of the northern kingdom. And so he's a half-breed. He doesn't worship the right way. He thinks that Mount Gerizim is the place where the temple should be, I don't think they had the prophets. Uh, they only had the Pentateuch, and that was warped too. Uh, you can read about that more in John chapter 4. And But even though this guy is a half-breed and a heretic and, you know, not all that awesome, we see that he's the neighbor to the guy because, first of all, he has compassion. So right? he, like you said earlier, he feels it. First, he feels it, right? And for the Hebrew, we see that, and for the Greek, we see that compassion takes place in the guts, not mm-hmm. in the heart, right? But in the guts. Um, it's kind of like butterflies in the stomach. Right. And we see that this guy doesn't just feel, but he actually does something, right? His good works come from his feeling of compassion for this broken and beaten and bloodied man. Uh, he goes and he tends to the man's wounds. He sets him on his own animal. He takes him to an inn, and then he pays for his health care. Two denarii, right? Mm-hmm. Two days' wages. Right. He gives it to the inco- to the innkeeper, and he says, "Take care of him, and if you spend any more, uh, I will repay you when I come back." Okay. So, not only does he incur that debt, but he also incurs more debt, mm-hmm. depending on how long it takes for this guy to heal up. So, which of the three is the neighbor? And this lawyer can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. All he can say is the one who showed him mercy, right? Jesus ends with, go and do likewise, which is the law. The law. <laughs> this is the gospel of the Lord? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it is in the sense of this. Um, if, if this is what a good neighbor is, then we understand that Jesus is a perfect neighbor. Then how does it show his inclination of the heart towards us? Yeah, Jesus has shown compassion. 
right? So are you one who's reluctant to say that Jesus is the Good Samaritan? I don't think that's the reason why Jesus tells this parable. Okay. I think he tells the law to a man who is trying to justify himself, just like we wouldn't give the gospel to someone who um, is an unbeliever and mm-hmm. needs the law, and this guy needs the law, right? Yes, he needs to be to see that he has not kept the law, right? The law. But Jesus has, right? So I think the gospel is definitely an application of this parable, right? And I think the gospel is actually found in those earlier verses where Jesus rejoices and says that the Father has given the kingdom to these little children and not to the prudent and wise. Right. You know, um, and that blessed are your eyes for, for they see and your ears for they hear. So, so yeah, I, I, that's, you know, based on the context of where this is in Luke, uh, who Jesus is talking to and the like, I would say that this is, this parable is all law, even though we like our little pictures where Jesus is right. the good Samaritan and putting. Well, I, I, I must admit though, that I oftentimes have preached in the past where I refer to Jesus as a good Samaritan in the sense that because he is a neighbor, he knows that he loves perfectly. Right. You know, that uh, that we are in, in, the, in the place of the man who was beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, you know, in his helplessness um, that uh, the good Samaritan came to help him in much the same way in our helplessness unable to, to save ourselves. It is actually uh, Christ who comes to us to save us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jesus is the perfect embodiment of the law, right? His whole life um, shows us where the law leads. If you truly fulfill the law, it's going to kill you and damn you. Right. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. Um, I But Jesus just living the perfect life is not yet the gospel. Right. Right. It actually has to be, um, it actually has to be done on your behalf. Right. Because otherwise it's like, oh crap, this guy was risen from the dead and he was perfect and now he's the judge of all. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Still the law. (laughs) But if he didn't do it on our behalf, then we're, then we're in trouble. So. That looks really good, Peter. Peter just uh, brought us in some water. He's just afraid of how much it's going to be to, like, edit this, so. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to, what are we, what is it? Your top 12. (laughs) We can't be so ADD. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. So uh, what I've done for us today is, uh, is this is, because it's going to take a little bit longer, uh, I've, I'm, I'm uh, doing my top 12 list in two parts. So I'm going to only do six Whoa. of them today. Okay. All right? And that is because my top 12 list is um, the top 12 passages where uh, the King James Version is actually epic. Nice. I, I like this. So I, I've picked uh, 12 passages where the King James is, is just poetic and beautiful as compared to other translations. Okay. And so to to uh, lead us to this com- comparison is I've given Vicar a Bible um, in which to read. Um, what, what version of the Bible do you have there, Vicar? We have my favorite Bible, the International Children's Bible, which uses the New Century version of the, new, of the, of the uh, English language. So. so what is the New Century? Well, it's got to be the uh, well, it was two, two th- the year 2000. You know, this was probably brought out in 2000, 2001. You got to love yeah. stuff from the a- aughts. As opposed to the old century. That's true. The so, old millennium, man. So uh, what I thought I would do is then uh, would be compare the two so you can see how much more epic the uh, King James Version is. I like it when you go old school. <laughs> I knew you would like this one. Number 12. So the first passage I have would to show that uh, how beautiful um, and epic the King James, James Version is in some of these, right, is I have uh, Isaiah 40, uh, verses 6 through 8. So, Vicar, would you like to read um, the, uh, this, 
Isaiah. New Century version. The New Century version, yes. Y- you got it. A voice says, cry out. Then I said, what shall I cry out? Say, all people are like the grass, and all their strength is like the flowers of the field. The grass dies, and the flowers fall. This is because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass. The grass dies and the flowers fall, but the word of our God will live forever. All right. (laughs) All right. And then maybe if you could have a reaction to, to this other version, the King James Version. Okay. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and the goodliness thereof is as a flower of the field. The grass withereth, which is hard to say after the micro beer. <laughs> the macro beer, you mean. <laughs> the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Number 11. Job chapter 40, verses 6 through 11. Then the Lord spoke to Job from the storm. Be strong like a man. I will ask you questions, and you must answer me. Would you say that I am unfair? Would you blame me to make yourself look right? Are you as strong as God? And can your voice thunder like his? If so, then decorate yourself with glory and beauty and put on honor and greatness as if they were clothing. Let your great anger punish. Look at everyone who is proud and make him feel unimportant. Boo. (laughs) Peter, you have something to say? I just want to say the two pastors in the room were snickering the entire time. (laughs) That verse was being read. They were being quiet. They were being perfectly nice about it, but they were both trying not to laugh. What was making you laugh? It's just... It was just so lame. (laughs) I mean, I I don't even know. Like, God's better than that. (laughs) All right, you want to hear the other one? Please. All right. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loin... I'm the lame one. <laughs> I should have thought this ahead when I put the, ma- the macro brew and the reading together. I should have put two and two together. Cleric layers, man. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man, and I will demand of thee and declare unto thou unto me. <laughs> Wilt thou disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold, every one that is proud and abase him. Look on every one that is proud, and bring him low, and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together, and bind their faces in secret. Then I will also confess unto thee, that thine are thine own right hand can save thee. See, it's way better. Just for the fact that it uses thou and thee. And everybody screws this up, right? Thou and thee is not the formal language. It's actually more... It's actually informal. See, English used to have two ways of addressing people. You was the formal way when you were talking to your pastor or your teacher or somebody you didn't know. But thou was what you used with your friends and with your family. And so when we talk to God with thou and thee, uh, we're actually confessing something. We're mm-hmm. confessing that he is actually our father, that he is closer to us. He's not some dread Lord, but that he is actually a kindly father. So It reminds me... Uh... When I was first a pastor, um, I had someone talk about uh, their near-death experience. Oh, yes. I think you've mentioned this uh, before, but continue. And uh, when uh, he had uh, this near-death experience and God, in his mind, spoke to him, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, God was using the thousand of these. Yeah. So now we know. Now we know. (laughs) See, and remember, this language isn't Middle English. This is actually early modern English. Okay? That's an important distinction. So... I knew you would like this this list today. I do. It makes it it really uh, um, warms the cockles of my heart. Number ten, Mark ten, uh, thirteen through sixteen. Vicar, take it away. Some people brought their small children to Jesus so he could touch them, but his followers told the people to stop bringing their children to him. When Jesus saw this, he was displeased. He said to them, <laughs> He said to them, "Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. The kingdom of God belongs to people who are like these little children. I tell you the truth. You must accept the kingdom of God as a little child accepts things, or you will never enter it." Then Jesus took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and blessed them. I mean, if there isn't like a theological, like, <laughs> you know, problem here and a theological bias in translating, I don't know what it, what there is, you know? What, what, what would be the bias there? Uh, the little children, uh-huh. right? Which is brephos, which means infants, mm-hmm. right? You've got um, uh, the accept language. Right. And NI, NIV is notorious for this nonsense. So, ah. Uh. All right. So, let's you want to hear the King James? Please. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whoever, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. See, there are two different ways to translate. There's the the form way, which tries to stick as closely to the Greek and Hebraic idioms, mm-hmm. right? And then there's this dynamic way, where it tries to capture the sense. And the problem is, is when you go too much the dynamic way, is that you start to bring in your own theological baggage. Right. Right. That's that's one big difference between like KJV and New King James Version, uh, ESV, and especially the Evangelical Heritage Bible, which is a new one that came out that was translated by the Wisconsin Senate. Okay. Um, one you should look at. A Word Fitly Spoken podcast has actually done a, uh, an interview with one of the translators. So, you know. It's something to keep in mind, as opposed to these annotations. So, so kind of what you're saying is then that uh, when you translate the meaning, you have to decide what the meaning is. Translation is always, in a sense, robbery. Um, like, for example, in the text for the Good Samaritan, you have uh, the word compassion, right? Um, but the word in the Greek, I believe, is splagizomai, right? Which literally means uh, that this guy feels it in his guts, mm-hmm. right? Um, and those are just, there are certain nuances that you lose in translation. That can't be helped because of the language. Um, however, if you are not sticking closely to what the Greek and Hebrew says, if you end up trying to just simply translate it um, whole meaning for whole meaning, Eventually, your own theological orientation is going to recast that, right? And that's one thing uh, in modern translations that you really have to be careful of, Mm -hmm. right? That they end up bringing in so much of their own theological baggage, um, the accept language, et cetera, et cetera, right? right? That uh, you end up actually losing the meanings of the words. And, And what I actually appreciate about the King James Version you know, I don't really use it that often, but I do appreciate the fact that it's beautiful. Yeah, there's a there's a poetry to it, and and, uh, and especially when a good portion of the Bible is actually poetry was written to be beautiful, right? And you especially see that in the Psalms, um, 
when you compare the King James to other Psalm versions. Um, if you want like a really literal Bible, like woodenly literal, go with the NASB, the New American Standard Version. Right. right? That's about as literal. That's about as from the Hebrew to English and from the Greek to English as you can possibly get. And then it's like KJV, New King James, um, ESV, and the like. Mm -hmm. And then once you start getting to NIV, then it starts to get weird. Right. And past that, it just gets really weird. So, what, what, Where would you put the New Century Bible what category? Uh, probably in NIV, around the NIV sort of deal. I mean, they're, they're kind of wafflers. Number nine. Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. That night... Some shepherds were in the fields nearby watching their sheep. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining around them. And suddenly they became very frightened. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, because I am bringing you some good news. It will be a joy to all the people. Today your Savior was born in David's town. He is Christ the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a feeding box. Then a very large group of angels from heaven joined the first angel. All the angels were praising God, saying, Give glory to God in heaven, and on earth let there be peace to the people who please God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Read that last part again. Verse 14. <laughs> Give glory to God in heaven, and on earth let there be peace to the people who please God. Okay, that that is false doctrine. The rest of it, it was like, okay, they're getting the meaning of it. Yes. But that last part was definitely false doctrine. Uh, I think the, the lawyer in the parable of the Good Samaritan would appreciate that version. Yes, he, he certainly would. But, you know, this is why... At Christmas Eve, it doesn't matter how progressive your church is or whatever, right? It's uh, what are you going to hear? And, and, and You're going to hear right what you're going to read, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Because it sounds wonderful. And and uh, and uh, and the thing is, too, if that's your only source, the version that Vicar read, over a period of time, that really will change how you hear and understand the Word of God. Absolutely, especially that last verse, which was wicked. That's wicked. That is not what it says at all. So please read, read the good one. All right. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. No, that's, yeah. And that's the thing. Even if the King James was inferior, it was the Bible up until the Second World War. Luther was right. You pick one text and you stick with it forever. Mm -hmm. This is good for pedagogy. This is good for intergenerational church building, right? Everybody wants to get the old people and the young people together, mm -hmm. right? Well, how do you do that? You do it by having one text, one liturgy so that everybody can learn it. So that way, the uh, the five-year-olds who can't read can sing with the 90-year-olds who can't read because they can't see anymore. Right. Right? That we, and that's one of the great flaws of our of our time is that you learned um, probably, what, the 1941 version of the catechism? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep, I did. And I learned the 84 with the NIV, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, notes. Peter learned... Um, probably with the ESV, right? So we're all screwed up. We can't actually all say the same thing because what we memorized is different. And that actually is a shame, and it separates us, and that's not a good thing. Number 8. Proverbs 8, 1 to 11. 
like a person, wisdom calls out to you. Mm. Understanding raises her voice. On the hilltops along the road and at the crossroads, she stands calling. She stands beside the city gates at the entrances into the city. She calls out, people, I'm calling out to you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that sounded like a gym teacher. (laughs) I am shouting to all people. You who do not know better, get the ability to think. Whoa. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) You who are foolish, get understanding. Listen, I have important things to say. What I tell you is right. What I say is true. I hate it when people speak evil. Everything I say is honest. Nothing I say is crooked or false. That that just critiques itself. I don't even have to say anything. How, how far did you go there, Vicar? I can't even make it out for my version. I got three more verses. Okay, it's just uh, it's just too good here. There's there's more. Everything. People with good sense know that what I say is true. People with knowledge know that my words are right. Choose my teachings instead of silver. Choose knowledge rather than the finest gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you want is equal to it. Words fail. (laughs) All right, do we need to cleanse the palate here? Oh, please. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness, there is nothing froward. I love that word, froward. Froward, I'm not used to saying that one. <laughs> there is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Yeah. I get the ability to think. What in the world? See, and what it does, it actually changes the theology of it, right? Right. Because here, the imperative, get wisdom, right? Um, It's actually a gospel imperative, right? Mm -hmm. Like, take, eat, take, drink, right? Um, But, But by the way... Uh, what I like about that get the get the ability to think. I, I must. I wonder if how often you've thought to that to yourself of you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Too often. <laughs> but the word froward. If anyone is if anyone is wondering, the word froward means a person who is difficult to deal with or a contrary person. So. All right. You liking this list so far? I am. It's a lot of fun. Number seven. Second Timothy 4, 1 to 8. <clears throat> Before God and Jesus Christ, I give you a command. Christ Jesus is the one who will judge all who are living and all who have died. Jesus has a kingdom, and he is coming again. So I give you this command. Preach the good news. Be ready at all times. Tell people what they need to do. (laughs) Tell them. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Tell them when they are wrong and encourage them. Do these things with great patience and careful teaching. The time will come when people will not listen to the true teaching. 
They will find more and more teachers who are pleasing to them, teachers who say the things they want to hear. They will stop listening to the truth. They will begin to follow the teaching in false stories. But you should control yourself at all times. When troubles come, accept them. Do the work of telling the good news. Do all the duties of a servant of God. My life is being given as an offering to God. The time has come for me to leave this life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now a crown is waiting for me. I will get that crown for being right with God. <laughs> what? No way. Ah. <coughs> the Lord is the judge who judges rightly, and he will give me the crown on that day. He will give that crown not only to me, but to all those who have waited with love for him to come again. I guess that Pharisee was right, or that lawyer was right, according to that translation. <laughs> that, that's the problem. He was reading uh, the, the Old Testament version he had been reading all along was the... Uh, the was new the 1980s New Century Bible. Right. <laughs> all right. Do we need to cleanse your palate here? Please. All right. Uh, from the New King James. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Yeah, way better. I'm not sure that was the same verse. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. There, there was a little bit of license taken, I think, in the other one. <laughs> it just, it just, it just sounds, uh, the other version, not only is it kind of wrong, it just has that, that uh, that angry teacher sound to it. Yeah, like the passive aggressive teacher. Right. That's like talking to the little kid because they don't think they right. really understand. Which one, that was remind me of the one that know. they said people. <laughs> <laughs> so learn to think. Right. Get the ability to think, or choose the ability to think. Right. <laughs> uh. So yes, if you uh, find if you guys are listening to this and you want to. Uh, Write in your own favorite KJV verses, ones that, uh, uh, you know, really. When I've are... got enough, I've got, you probably might be wondering, well, there's a few that you've missed. Well, this is the first top six. Right. This is the first top six. But, you know, we always like to hear what you guys have to say. So, Vicar, where can they uh, reach us at if they want to send us their awesome or funny King James Bible passages? They can reach us at Facebook, Clerical Heirs, on Twitter. At Clerical Airs. Yeah, me, bro. P. P for podcast. They can uh, email us at feedback at clericalairs.org, or they could find us on any one of those apps where podcasts can be found. Now, now Vicar, can you do a plea for me? Because we actually have set up a uh, Amazon wish list, because what what is it that you don't have when you come to this recording? I don't have my own microphone. Tell me, tell tell the people how much it would mean to you to feel like you're actually a part of, of this podcast, that you would have your own microphone. Well, let's just say someone who's on a podcast without a microphone doesn't have a voice. Or you feel like you're kind of, you know, third wheeling a date. So uh, if I could get one of those microphones, I would just feel part of the club, you know? You know, I'm not ordained yet or anything like that, but a vicar with the microphone could go a long way. All right, now, Peter, if you could put some sad music behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I need the help.
help. <laughs> hey, and you know, maybe once we once we get you a microphone, next maybe we'll get you a chair. <laughs> yeah, he, people don't realize he's been standing this whole time. This is a super long episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you you uh, you uh, you say bad things about the macro brew, but but a good podcast it's pretty awesome <laughs> so uh peter what does that bring us to so since we're running so long with the beer and the all the readings uh let's go on to our concentrationally impaired bible study hey me play the intro do you have impaired concentration then this is for you it's the impaired concentration bible study one verse one verse only all right i'm digging this music man oh yeah it's kind of, you know, it's bringing, it's bringing me down. Do you know what the producer said to me earlier? He actually was thinking that, how did you word that earlier today? Oh, you were just whistling a song that sounded just like this music. And I was just like, man, it really does go through your head all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So we are to the end. Wow. Of Obadiah. And we, we, we want to thank the listener. You've been with us. You know, we know it's been an amazing journey, and uh, you can go back and listen to previous podcasts, you know, for, for any of the steps in the journey that you missed. And uh, one note to the listener is uh, for our next Bible study, we're going to have a wheel that we're going to be spinning. I'm sorry. I, I'm still caught up. Caught up are you? You know, it's just- Are you a little verklempt? It's, it's just, yeah. It's just, it's so touching, you know. We've, we're have we here. We're here. We made we're it. We're at the mountaintop. At the mountaintop with the saviors. Indeed. Well, we haven't gotten that far yet. Oh. So, uh, who's reading the... Uh... Um, so, uh, well, maybe we should hear the different versions of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go for it. All right, Vicar. All right. The New Century Version, Obadiah, verse 21. Powerful warriors will go up on Mount Zion. There they will rule the people living on Edom's mountain, and the kingdom will belong to the Lord. All right. Powerful warriors, huh? That's an that's an interesting take. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. All right. So, uh, from the King James Version. And Savior shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Nice. Which is actually not di that different than the ESV, which says, Savior shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Okay. We actually did a little exegesis uh, before, uh, before actually starting this podcast on this. And exegesis is what, Vicar? Well, it's... Uh, basically looking at the text, exegetically uh, looking at each word and looking at their meanings, their usage in the scriptures, and especially within the book that we find it. Yeah, so we looked at the original Hebrew, and it's interesting because Saviors is actually a better translation, right, used in both the King James and in the ESV, uh, because we see that it is a participle, mm -hmm. right, in the Hebrew, the ones who are saving. And that word... Uh, is related to the word for Jesus, right? Yeshua, right? Salvation is the Lord's, right? Or the Lord saves, right? And so these people are, uh, these saviors are doing the same thing that Jesus does, right? They are saving, mm -hmm. right? They go up on the mountain and here the King James is actually better than the ESV. Rather than rule, it says that they will judge Mount Esau. Right. Right. Um, this is the same word that's used um, for the judges. Well, in the book of Judges. Right. Right. And judging is not just ruling, but it's also speaking and preaching God's word and the like. Mm -hmm. Like Deborah. Deborah didn't. Right. Deborah didn't rule. Deborah was a judge. She was a mother to Israel. Um, and we finally see that the kingdom belongs to the Lord. That at the end of time, for sure, God will be all in all. So, you know, there is hope. So, um, as we uh, we kind of close out Obadiah, you know, we've kind of put this all together, right? Right. We we uh, understand that uh, that God 
uh, his word endures. And that uh, God, even though there are times where it looks like evil and wickedness is, is prevailing. Un- prevailing, that uh, ultimately uh, he, his judgment continues to be pure and right and true in the midst of all of this. And that Christ is still king, right? And it's his kingdom, right? And mm-hmm. that's and that's a wonderful thing to confess, right? Obadiah is a timely book, as all scripture is, for the church right now. Because as we are in the church militant, the fighting church, right? Uh, we see a lot of reversals in our own life, in our, in our culture, right? Um, we see um, these sort of things happening. And Obadiah is a book that gives us hope because it gives judgment on God's enemies. That despite our sins and despite these reversals, which are justly earned by us, God is still gracious and merciful, and he is still king. And so it's, it's uh, very, very much, uh, like you said, an encouraging for us and a strengthening for us and a reminder that although we might seem like a, like a small flock at times, that ultimately uh, we, have, we have the Lord. Right. And that's why a good hymn to sing whenever you're doing a Bible study on Obadiah is, um, O Lord, look down from heaven behold, written by Martin Luther. It's a great hymn. Unfortunately, it isn't in the Lutheran service book, but it is in TLH. Okay. The Lutheran hymnal. Well, it sounds like soon you should do a top 12 list of your top 12 TLH. By the way, uh, Vicar, when he uses the, the, the reference of TLH, can you explain what TLH stands for? TLH is the Lutheran hymnal. It's the acronym used for, I think, 1941. 1941, yeah. uh, uh, And this hymnal. And you know, there are churches out there, maybe some of our listeners are members of these churches, where it's written in their constitution that they can't change from the TLH. Those churches are out there because that, that hymnal was the hymnal of our church body for a long time. And people hold it near and dear, uh, people who are still in the pews today. You know, when you said the TLH, it reminded me of my big fat Greek wedding <laughs> where it says the, and then it has the, the Greek name. So it actually says the, the, and then right. the name of the restaurant. <laughs> Whenever I hear someone add, <laughs> add uh, the definite article to things, it just brings me joy. I, I do. I love it more than the indefinite article. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening and uh I'm excited about our next installment of this, Spinning the Wheel. A wheel of Bible verses will spin the wheel, and that will be our uh, Bible study. What do you think about that, Berg? I think it's going to be pretty rad. So people in Oklahoma, please start listening (laughs) because it's going to be amazing. If you know anyone in Oklahoma, please tap them on the shoulder. Contact them, you know. Because we're starting to lose hope in Oklahoma. We really are. Yeah, I mean— I would have thought that we would have had somebody, but... I mean, we have a little bit in Oklahoma, but not like I expected. We could always use more. How much do you think it'd be to make a billboard in Oklahoma? I don't know. A a clerical heirs billboard in Oklahoma. That would be amazing. Listeners, you should donate to this. (laughs) Right. In fact, yeah, that would be a lot cooler than the Vickers microphone. <laughs> the, the Vickers only here for a year. I mean, let's just be honest. A billboard. A billboard is forever. <laughs> All right. I believe that has been enough of our nonsense. Uh, fun show, I thought. Peter, thank you for joining us today. And uh, I look forward to doing the next six verses. And uh, be ready to go. So uh, uh, we got to do our sticky notes. We got plenty of them today. <laughs> this has yeah. been the one episode where I think it would have been a lot better as a YouTube video. Yeah, I think that's... Just an up-close up close zoom of your Faceberg while Vicar was reading. Yeah, oof. Do you think we can maybe try and plan to record the next one on video as a special? Well... We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I have to clean my. We have to clean up the studio <laughs> a little bit first. <laughs> so, thank you guys for listening. This is to, to clerical errors. I'm Berg. I'm Bullhagen. And, and may your translations be uh, 
form appropriate. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a you have a Greek or Latin word for that? Um, <laughs> not sucky. <laughs> yeah, unless you're a fro word. <laughs> right. If, if you're a fro, if you're a fro word uh, rapscallion, then you know. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at Thanks for listening to Clerical Airs. See you next time.